Hush, Haunted Attraction is celebrating their 10th season by adding three secret bars this year. That's coming up next on today's show. From HAN, I'm Philip, and this is day 48 of our 61 day Hauntathon, where we're counting down to Halloween by visiting a different haunted house every day here on the show. Today is Tuesday, October 18th, and there are 13 days until Halloween. Remember that the best way you can support us this Halloween season is by sharing our Hauntathon with someone you think will enjoy it. And to follow along to our Hauntathon, sign up for our free weekly industry newsletter at the link in our show notes. Hush, Haunted Attraction in Westland, Michigan, has added three bars this year for their 10th anniversary. Two of the bars are actually hidden within the maze itself, and one is outside next to the queue line. Today, we'll learn about the design and logistics of the bars from founder Cody Bailey. Here's Cody. I'm Cody Bailey, the founder and owner of Hush Haunted Attraction in Westland, Michigan. Hush Haunted Attraction is a large indoor haunted house located in Michigan. First, you're going to begin in downtown Hush Falls, which is kind of a New Orleans feeling downtown street area. And then you're going to make your way through three themed attractions. The sewers beneath Hush Falls, which also have a temple aspect this year. The New Orleans style above ground cemetery and the Victorian Gothic mansion. Our main haunted house is three different zones, but it's a linear walkthrough. It takes roughly 20 to 35 minutes to do that. If you have the bar pass, it can take a little bit longer. So for 2022, which is our 10th season in operation, inside the attractions, we did some new scenes, mainly in the first zone, which is the Cambodian style with a little bit of other influence temple. Yeah. Uh, we also did some other new scenes in the mansion that would, uh, you know, bedrooms and other various things as well. So there's several different new areas this year. And let's talk about the bars. You have three bars here, two that are hidden within the attraction itself and one that's outside. And the bars are a new themed experience that you've never tried before. And that was kind of the big thing for this year. It's also a big factor in the renovations you did as well, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, for this year we added on the new secret bar program, which as you just mentioned, there's three different bars, two of which are hidden within the attraction walkthrough. First one's kind of up in that New Orleans Hush Falls queue area. And yeah, a lot of our build time was devoted to building out the three different bars. They're fully immersive and themed out. And it's just a, it's a new experience, especially in this area. Tell me in depth about the bars. The first one is located in the Hush Falls area. That one's not a hidden bar per se. So it's kind of more like the VIP lounge where you mm -hmm. start off your journey. And it is fully themed to go with the New Orleans Voodoo Blues is the name of the bar theme out there. And so in that one, we're also, the drinks were focused based on New Orleans stuff. So there's the Hurricane Jello shot. You're gonna see a frozen French 75 and a bourbon based drink as well. So then your next stop is gonna be after the first zone, the first themed attraction area, which is that underneath the city temple section. And that's gonna be called Base Camp. So you, you actually enter that one through a large crate, like the archeologists were packing out the artifacts from the temple. And then you kind of begin your journey through that bar, which that one's a lot different than the first one and the third one, because you kind of, you stop off, grab your drink, and then you have to go on a little walkthrough, and then you go over to the actual encampment with the tents and artifacts and other stuff as well there. Your third stop is going to be the Von Rose Distillery, which is the, let's say, uh, the abandoned carriage house off the front of the mansion that was kind of taken over by uh, a, a clan of vampires. So you're going to have some interesting drinks there, especially one in there is going to have um, this one button flower rim on it that's going to like numb your mouth. You're going to have a bunch of other crazy things that happen, but it also changes the entire drink experience as well. Yeah. So to summarize, 
There's three bars in total, one outside, two inside, as guests are walking through, and each of them has two drinks that are themed to the area. They're all unique drinks that yes. were designed by you guys, and they're all made in-house, correct? Yeah, every single drink's made here, and each bar has its own menu. Each bar has different design elements to it, right? In, in the first bar, it's the VIP area. You can look out at the queue line, Yeah. right? The second yeah, so bar has the exploratory nature to that. So we talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so you said the first one, there's various areas where you get to, you know, the people in the bar are able to look out at the queue line, but also people in the queue line that didn't get access into the bars, either via the bar creep pass or getting a token gifted to them, get to see in there and kind of maybe be jealous that they're not in there and hopefully yeah. entice them to come back and try it out next time. So that's probably the unique part about that bar. Your next one at base camp is that it's, an, it's, a, it's more of an exploration, which kind of plays into the whole theme of that bar anyways. So you're gonna kind of just go on a journey, stop off at the bar, head through like the captain's cabin and then head over to the tents and see all the different artifacts that have been collected from the dig site. And the third one has some windows in it where you can actually see out into the cemetery attraction, which is the second themed area, and watch guests be scared as well as scare them yourself by triggering some air cannons and some other effects as well. So you're kind of experimenting with the three different versions basically. Yeah one where it's outside the queue, so guests can sit in the Voodoo Blues bar longer yes. because it's not in the middle of your throughput, so they can sit in there longer and they can still see people. And the second one, of course, it's a little bit tighter in terms of throughput because it's in the middle of the maze, but there's, it's broken up. There's an exploratory nature to it. You know, there's scenic and whatnot yeah. guests there. And the third one, of course, it's experimenting with the window and letting guests see into the maze. Yeah, exactly. When did you start and what was the most important guest impact for you? We really wanted to see where we had the spaces that were somewhat available without taking away from the attraction too much to use, but also their location. So for this first year, since it's something completely new for Michigan, having to find bars hidden inside an attraction, we wanted to put them at those transition points between the themes, just so it kind of helped. Next year, our fourth one will be much more hidden and may involve like secret bookcases you have to work your way through and other things like that. But yeah, so we definitely wanted to use areas that were kind of underutilized beforehand. Maybe they were just like really cool, like big set areas, but no one really walked through them where they weren't scare zones. So we were able to kind of convert those and still tie them in yeah. to the overall design and layout and path without taking away from our guest experience on the regular attraction and not the bar end. And let's talk about the logistics a little bit. The guests can purchase a bar creep pass when they're buying their tickets or when they get here. That'll give them guaranteed access to all three bars. That's the safest bet to get in because based on sales, we may not be able to do the next route, which is some of our actors and support staff that you interact with while you're in downtown Hush Falls waiting to enter the actual attraction can gift you a token, which will get you access into one of the bars that that token's associated with. Yeah, okay. You still have to find it. You have no guaranteed access. Like if you didn't find it, you don't get to come back in and go through. People with the bar pass, we do make sure they get to go through all three bars. And one thing we didn't mention is that you also made keys that people can buy in each bar. So tell yeah. us about that. So yeah, each bar has its own unique skeleton key that fits with its theme and branding. Our artists in-house did those and we cast them every week to make sure we have enough to sell. So, and the only way you can get those is from buying them inside each bar. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, kind of a collectible thing. Voodoo Blues, which is the first stop, is gonna have a, a cool skeleton looking dude on the front and then it goes down into a skeleton key. So that one's pretty, it's not simple at the top end, but it's simple at the bottom because it's just a skeleton key down there. Uh, your second one for base camp, because the temple and all that, it's really like heavy on the snake 
theming. So that key is actually a cobra, and the key part of it is the cobra's tail and a certain design near at the bottom. And then the last one, since it's an old carriage house, but it has the vampire aspect, your top's going to be a carriage wheel, and then the keys are the vampire's teeth. Yeah. The key part is the vampire teeth. So themed bars hidden within attractions are kind of relatively new to haunt, the haunt space, and I think they are you guys are the first in this area to be doing them, is that correct? Yeah, so in our region especially, they're really new. For the state, we're the first, and I think there's one other one that started in the same Midwest region this year with us as well. Whenever you're kind of, of pioneering new spaces like this, there's a lot of guest training that needs to go into it because the guests have never experienced anything like this in this area. Talk to me a little bit about how that's been going and what you think you might need to adjust for the future years. Yeah, it's, each weekend's been a learning experience in terms of that, I would say 100%. And that's, again, why when I said we, we would put the bars at those transition points to make it, you know, this year's the training aspect to get yeah. guests accustomed to it, and then we're going to make it more hidden and different each season thereafter. Overall, I think it's gone pretty well. We find out what the hiccups are and we adjust, and it's just, yeah, it's a learning experience like everything else that's new. Which component do you think is working the best? You know, so if we have component A in Voodoo, which is that it's outside so you can fit more people, but you can still see, or component B, which is the exploratory nature of base camp, or component C, which is the window with the effect, which do you think is getting the most engagement? I think C, the carriage house with the, the guest interaction, seems to be the one that's getting the most engagement. And something that we've already learned, as you mentioned, they have more time to hang out at Voodoo Blues, but we need to do, give them more stuff to do while they're there. So we, we already had stages built into the bar, but we need to get more performers there to keep people engaged longer, which also helps spread out these bar groups entering, so it helps the flow in the other two bars as well. On those, those peak nights, the other two bars, we really have to try and get them in and out, which is just really a, getting them accustomed to that, but also getting our staff more forceful in handling that as well. Going back to that again about things that we've learned that seem to be working out really well, we actually offer an option at the first bar they can buy a wristband, prepay for a drink at each bar right there, so they don't have to have that extra time of cashing out yeah. at each stop after that. And, you know, kind of limits us from selling extras in the two interior bars, but they can buy more, obviously, in the first bar. But it, that seems to work out really well. Okay. Demand-wise for the bars, has it been what you anticipated so far? I would say it's at least been what I anticipated, if not a little bit more. We're probably seeing depending on the night, upwards of 50% of regular guests going through are buying that bar pass on top. That's a lot. Yeah. That's so lot. that's been really good. Obviously, on the busier nights, we can't sell that yeah. many. So it would be more like in the 30 40%. But if we had the capacity to sell it, I think we would easily hit 50 or more. And do they get a separate queue when they buy the bar pass to enter? So do they, do they get a shorter line if they have a bar pass? Or uh, it's the same line? They do to an extent. There is a, a separate line when they exit, and the people that already prepaid for immediate admission yeah. has their own line too when they're exiting the bar, so they really can get right back in. But the general admission fast pass people are queued together after the bar, which is still probably faster than the general lines at this point. To me, what you have planned for next year not just about the bars, but overall in gen yeah. for the attraction. So, you know, every year since we started this, 10, 10 seasons ago now, we've always done significant additions in terms of sets inside the attraction. We'll do that again next year. We'll do some just for Valentine's Day, too. And then also we're going to add another bar next year, maybe a, a fifth. As the season goes on and we're reaching that halfway point about now, 
we're noticing sales are up, not just because of bars, it's attendance in general, plus uh, that additional per guest spending, which is really the goal. I mean, just like Disney or Universal, they're focused on how you can spend more money while you're at this, you know, their locations. And that's what we're seeing with the bar pass, but also additional things with that, which are the souvenir photos they can get at the end, the special keys and other merchandise. So we're seeing significant increases across the board in all of that on top of the bars. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope and original music composed by Chris Thomas. We're counting down to Halloween with daily podcasts, videos, and events in our 61-day Hauntathon. Follow along at the link in our show notes. Our Hauntathon is made possible through generous support from Gantam Lighting and Controls. Gantam illuminates attractions worldwide with the world's smallest intelligent spotlights. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantum.com slash demo. That's gantum.com slash demo. Our Hauntathon team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Omni Adventures. Our partners for this year's Hauntathon include Sharp Productions, HorrorBuzz.com, ScareTrack, TheScareFactor.com, and Hauntopic Radio. The best way you can support us this Halloween season is by sharing our Hauntathon with someone you think will enjoy it. And to follow along to our Hauntathon, sign up for our weekly newsletter at hauntedattractionnetwork.com. We'll catch you back here tomorrow and every day until Halloween. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.